Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to the ASF Weekly Science Podcast this week. We took a break last week in honor of the July 4th holiday weekend, and actually we will be taking a break next week. Everyone needs a vacation, and that includes me. But there were a couple of studies this week that can really show how early differences between infants with autism can be seen and perhaps what can be done about them that makes sense and is practical for parents and caregivers. That doesn't mean that any parent or caregiver is doing anything wrong now, but as we know more about autism, there's more that can be done. For example, researchers studying infants with an older brother or sister with autism are 15 times more likely to have a diagnosis themselves. This makes them an ideal group to understand factors before a diagnosis is made that can be malleable. These are called the baby sibs. Scientists are just starting to better understand the early biology of ASD in infants before that diagnosis can be made thanks to this group of baby sibs. Now, as you know, one of the core features of ASD is lack of social communication. So early language development and ways to improve early language is a priority and should continue to be a priority. In typically developing children, the quantity and quality of early language given by probably caregivers predicts the trajectories of language development across childhood. This means more language early on in infancy and toddlerhood, better language later on through life. Now, this is also true of children who have a family history of ASD. And this high quality and quantity input of language has also been shown to improve developmental trajectories in children with autism. More language input early on, and in fact, more complex language improves later language and communication in kids with and without ASD. Now, just focusing on infants with a high probability of a diagnosis, those children that are diagnosed with ASD later in life respond to language that is heard in the first year that are both grammatically complex, expansive in speech, and responsive to infant utterances. This does not change a diagnosis, but it does improve language, even in these infants with a high probability of a diagnosis. But typically, parents talk to their infants with ASD or those infants who may not be showing response to language differently. They respond more simply, shorter. I get it. It's like breaking down a complex sentence and trying to make it as simple as possible to get a response. This is totally normal and completely understandable. As a parent, I get this. I spoke much differently to my daughter with ASD than I did to her twin who didn't have a diagnosis. You tend to speak in shorter, less complex sentences because as a parent, you're trained to keep things short, simple, understandable, directed at the current action, and that also will receive the highest probability of a response. These things are all right, but now the more we know, the more we can do. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not all about what the caregivers do that influences language ability. That's just one part of it. It's biological. And recently, a group at Boston University studied the biological underpinnings of early language and parental responsiveness and language during that infant period. Now, there's a certain brainwave called the gamma band. This helps the balance of both excitatory and inhibitory input, which strengthens connections of neurons that regulate language and cognitive development. It gets really stronger in the first five years of life, 
and higher gamma power in infancy and childhood indicates that there's a neuronal and neural maturity and experience-dependent plasticity that promotes language and cognitive function. So this gamma activity really helps build up language. Now, in typically developing children, higher gamma power is associated with higher cognitive ability and later language skills. The changes in gamma band activity or oscillations, which is how the brain cells become active and then less active, active and then less active, help integrate the different components of language. Now, what you hear, what you see in the world around you, and what the language means. Infants and toddlers with ASD have lower gamma power biologically. This is just part of autism. And this indicates a lower level of neuroplasticity, a lower ability to integrate different domains into language, and actually the lower gamma power, the more impaired in language ability the child is. Now, these researchers then didn't do an intervention experiment. They did study the gamma power of infants using brain activity measures called electroencephalography, and this is non-invasive. And they also coincidentally looked at parental language input at both 18 months of age and then language ability at 24 months of age. And this is those who had a family history of autism or didn't have a family history of autism. Now, the toddlers with autism had the strongest relationships between language input and later expressive language. And greater and higher quality language input was associated with lower baseline gamma power six months later, which is in turn related to higher expressive language scores. This may seem counterintuitive because the higher language input and expressive language and the lower gamma power, you would predict that in fact that lower gamma power would prevent any language integration or language skills from being developed. However, the relationship between the language input by the parents revealed that these language scores in kids were also explained by this gamma power. They included toddlers who go on to receive an ASD diagnosis and have a family history, and they revealed that they're cognitively and neurally more sensitive to language environments. So this low gamma power actually makes them more sensitive. It essentially means that infants at risk for autism are especially sensitive to language input and that this pre-symptomatic intervention program should support caregivers to teach them and encourage them to provide high quality and quantity language to infants. This low gamma power isn't preventative, it just makes them more sensitive. Their brains work differently, they're wired differently. And it's not that parents don't know how to talk to their kids, but they need to communicate in a specific way. And for kids, it's especially important for them to receive lots of different type of language to maximize their ability to talk and express themselves later on in life. It changes the way their brains work and process information. This is not easy. As you talk to a speech and language pathologist when your child goes to speech therapy, bring it up. Ask what you could be doing differently, and if there's anything at all, who knows? But there's lots of variability across how caregivers talk to their children. It seems like the benefits could be greater in kids with a family history of ASD and then who go on to have an ASD diagnosis themselves. But parental verbal responsiveness has also been shown to help infants who show early signs and symptoms of autism, and it's linked to sensory input. 
Not infants who have a family history of autism, but those who show early signs and symptoms from the first year of life. Recently, Rebecca Grzynski at the University of North Carolina and her colleagues there looked at a metric of parent verbal responsiveness on a number of outcomes. What the fresh hell is parental verbal responsiveness? Well, parents were videotaped at home during a free play interaction, meaning you play with your kid however you want, and a researcher who didn't know you was videotaping you and scored the tapes every five seconds for how many times the child led an interaction or whether or not the parent responded to that child's lead. For example, if the parent talked about the child's question or referent object or activity, if they handed the parent a ball, did the parent just take it or did they take it and say, what is this? Is this a ball? Yes, this is a ball. What do you do with a ball? That sort of thing. This wasn't a controlled study. They looked at differences in language and sensory reactivity in kids with parents with high levels of parental responsiveness compared to other levels. Now, what was the relationship between child hyporesponsivity to sensory input and parental responsiveness and child outcome? I've just said a lot of words. It's pretty complicated, as you might expect. It's not linear. So hyporesponsivity to sensory information was related to developmental and adaptive outcomes, meaning more hyporesponsivity, the more impaired developmental and adaptive outcomes were. But in parents who had high verbal responsivity, this association was lessened and the outcomes were better. This is one potential mechanism that's actionable. It's probably not the only thing that links child hyposensitivity and later communication ability, but it is one thing. Now, these findings are not to blame the parents. These findings show that although children have certain early developmental characteristics like hyporeactivity or a less reactivity to sensor stimuli, these are associated with poor communication outcomes. Parental style of interaction may reduce the effect of these characteristics on later communication outcomes. This is an empowering message, especially since the more training they get, parents get better and better at being verbally responsive. In addition, there was not a relationship between hyporeactivity and nonverbal domains of functioning. So this really only applies to verbal communication. This is not a parents, you're doing it wrong message. It's a parents, you have a child or an infant who's showing early signs of autism. There are things you can do to help them communicate verbally later in life. And that means communicate with caregivers, teachers and peers as they grow older. You are not helpless. Now, you do not have to be in a research study or get specialized therapy to show increased parental verbal responsiveness. Your child with autism needs more than you even anticipate, and it's not something that everyone knows how to do. There is a resource. It's called Autism Navigator and Baby Navigator. Go to autismnavigator.org or babynavigator.org, depending on the age of your child, And these guides will flat out show you how to be verbally responsive to improve communication in your infant or toddler and give you support and guidance using specific videos. They literally have videos on what you should do. This is not easy. Parents have instincts. They know their child. They feel like they know how to communicate with their child. I get it. But everybody needs help, not just your child, but you need help too. You can do it, and good luck. Thank you for listening this week, and I will talk to you in two weeks.